0: This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Now on, you to to all the bicycle riders in Bicycle rider, bicycle rider, rider Bike rider, my other bike rider Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle User Group radio program for Monday the 7th of December 2015. Thank you to Democracy Now! for the last hour of current affairs. And um, we're Yarra Bicycle Users Group radio, we're broadcasting from 3CR 855am and digital and on demand and a whole bunch of things. Community Radio in Melbourne and this is a program about cycling and related transport issues. And this week's show, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about bikeonomics, how bicycling can save the economy. And um, it was a book that was released uh, by Ellie Blue about um, two years ago, but I think it's really worth a revisit. And also I'll be talking to Colleen Hartland about Bike West and uh, the recently um, released report, Getting the West on Track, Closing Major Bicycle Infrastructure Gaps in Melbourne's Inner West. You would have seen in the last couple of days an article on the actual, um, uh, what's going on in the Western suburbs, plus a pretty interesting video of trying to ride along Dialon Road, which looks like an absolute nightmare, even for someone who's riding on the footpath. (laughs) Just seeing the absolute, mm, just terrifying distances, or lack of distance between someone walking or even just riding a bike and um, fast dense moving traffic and very, very big vehicles. And why do we put up with things like this in our cities? Why do we allow roads and that become such a kind of terrifying, off-putting places? Well, we're going to discuss about that a bit more. But I want to discuss um, a little bit about um, a book that Ellie Blue put out a few years ago. This came out about two years ago and it was called Bikeonomics, How Bicycling Bike Can Save the Economy. And It was a really interesting look at uh, someone who came to cycling and then discovered a few truths about uh, how people actually get around. And this is from an American perspective, mind you. So it was um, a couple of interesting things that uh, recently uh, FASCO did an um, article on a book. It was basically making uh, the economic case for cycling-friendly cities with bikeonomics. And it came down to a quite a few um, interesting things that we already know about health costs, bike infrastructure is cheap and creates jobs, parking, and also the astonishing amount of space that most urban cores dedicated to the publicly subsidised storage of, public, of, of private property. Now, have a think about that. We've just had, um, I think, believe Mariboran Council renege on a whole bunch of parking stuff, seeing that there was some um, local issues over there. If some of you have been watching... Uh, there was actually a punch on in a, in a council meeting over, over parking issues. Oh, I was just incredulous. But for a lot of people, this is incredibly important. Where can they park their vehicle for free? And um, if you've been involved with this issue and know a bit about it, there's been a couple of good research articles and books put out over the years, especially Donald Shoop. I think you should look at some of the, the fallacy of lot like, free parking. Now, back to Ellie Blue's book, though. From an American cost perspective, on average, urban freeways cost $60 million a mile to build. And the best type of protected bike lanes cost between seven, well, $170,000 and $250,000 per mile and need much less maintenance. I don't know how that extrapolates into Australian um, infrastructure costs. Um, it's kind of an interesting thing I was watching on the weekend of um, put a video put together by UK Transit Sydney of a pedestrian underpass put through a railway easement or cutting, or I should say the ballast sort of stuff, you know, if you have a raised uh, train uh, line uh, through the south-east, I think it's south-east or southwest of Sydney, Arncliffe, cost them $17 million. Let that, that sink in. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a, also a thing called the New South Wales disease where you get cost blowouts in infrastructure, and I think we're kind of dabbling towards that in Victoria, but back to early blue. Health costs. Health is the biggie. Bicycle infrastructure makes so much more economic sense when it can be accurately described as a health investment, Blue says. Portland says health savings could allow it to recoup spending on cycling by 2015 to 2030. It could save $6,600 million a year. Blue argues that short trips by bike are a more convenient way for people to get daily exercise and in brackets, a more realistic then going to the gym all the time in brackets, and she cites Copenhagen, um, at that uh, preeminent cycling city. It expects to save sixty million a year in health costs once its network of twenty-six cycling soup highways is completed. Yeah, it's kind of interesting also to um, bring in parallels here in Yarra. We've got half of one inf- um, protected lane when we should have had five by now, and a bicycle strategy which has lapsed a council that doesn't seem to really know what it's doing in terms of making nice statements but not actually making definitive action towards like keeping up that cycling participation. And uh, you'll probably hear more about that over the next coming months. Anyway, I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Colleen Hartland on talking about uh, cycling in the Inner West. Get the lowdown on the know-how, the food know-how. Victorian households are throwing away over $2,000 a year in wasted food. That's just not smart. You can be smarter than the average Victorian by joining Food Know How and learn simple steps to reduce your food waste, save money and protect the environment. This program is free to residents of Yarra, Moorland, Darabin, Maribyrnong or Whittlesey. Visit foodknowhow.org.au Funding for the project provided by Victorian Government's Metropolitan Local Government Waste and Resource Recovery Fund. The Food Know How Program is a 3CR supporter. And you're back listening to Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio and Community Radio, 3CR, 855 AM and digital. And we just had a little interlude there from Robert Crum again, um, just as I was lining up a phone call to Colleen Hartland. Are you there, Colleen? I am. Good to hear you. Now, I think I've got a little track here I want to play. And you would recognize this. Just one moment. Now, the audio doesn't really do it justice, do it? No, no.
1: but it's it, the scary bit. It's um, scary, the distances,
0: yes. the speed. I know it's oh. speeded up for effect, but still.
1: It, it's still, and the lack of safety for cyclists and for car drivers and truck drivers, because we don't have a system that is compatible, and in the West in particular, we've, um, this report looked at Brim um, Bangkok, sorry, Moonee Valley, um, Hopkins Bay and Maribyrnog. Yep. And clearly there, um, there is a major problem, a lot of gaps. And, you know, you'll see kilometres of really good bike path, and then a kilometre, it just disappears. And so it makes it quite unsafe or people then end up on um, footpaths or on roads trying to compete with trucks and cars.
0: Yeah, because this is something the West really gets left behind, and it's yeah. something that um, I think you guys out there be well and truly over by now.
1: Uh, absolutely. And also, we have starting to have a really big cycling culture here. Uh, lots of commuter cycles. Um, you you know, any morning, you know, down on say Shepherd's Bridge, there are just hundreds of people um, taking that route to go into the city. Um, the same for people who live in Mooney Valley, where they can actually use a huge amount of bike paths but then come completely unstuck when they hit um, Footscray or, you know, along the mooney ..on the Mooney Ponds Creek. So there are just... There are problems all over the place. Councils need to step up to the mark and be spending more money on um, bike paths. But so does the state government. This is one where, you know... Cycling Now, I'm not a cyclist because I'm a scaredy cat. I, um, I just don't believe that I could manage, and I'm not, um, I'm not very coordinated, but I'm a walker. And mm. I just see what happens all the time, that um, cyclists, if it was safer, I'd cycle. And I think that's also true for a lot of women. They Definitely. don't feel safe.
0: Well, that was the thing when we were watching the video, um, was there was two blokes going past, Mammals. Yep. mixing it and that's, that's not exactly I mean I'm not having a go at those two individuals yep. but it's not exactly the optimum conditions where we want to see people riding for transport it shouldn't be something where you have to take your life into your own hands no. or you have to be brave and fearless no. to simply ride to your destination. Right.
1: And also when you look at other countries that have you know urban, very urbanised cities where they have adapted and it's not like they always had bike paths; they had to created in Copenhagen, in parts of Amsterdam where they really had to work very, very hard to fix up the problem. But now the the, the separation between bikes and cars is quite clear. The two don't intermix. Um, in Copenhagen, you know, you'll see especially a lot of women cyclists, nobody wears lycra, nobody wears helmets because there's no interaction between... Um, cars and bikes. Whereas in this country, you have to wear a helmet for your own safety um, to to make sure that you're not hurt.
0: Yeah, but it's all this kind of fear-based stuff that gets pushed into like riding around, you you have to do all these things in some yeah. type of special knowledge. Mm. And there's all these things if you if you drive are uh, provided for you as if if you ride a bike, yep. you're, you're on your own. You're, you're seen as an outlier. You're seen as... And it should not be this way.
1: No, it shouldn't be, and there shouldn't be the competition. And, again, you look at other countries where the culture is very different um, about... You know, um, I was uh, I was in Belgium earlier this year in a, in a medieval town in, called Ghent that has a tram system going up medieval, you know, bluestone, cobblestone streets, quite small streets, Cars, bikes, trams all interact, but if the bike is in front, the bike is in front. Nobody gets tutored, nobody gets forced off the road. There's good interaction between everyone and that's the other cultural thing that we need to change here.
0: Yeah. So last week there was a very good article in the age regarding, you know, talking about um, the research that you've done with this mm. new document that's come out. Yep. But I've got to read one of the online comments. Mm. Um, normally I don't like reading yep. online comments of cycling uh, things because it seems to bring out the worst in people. Yes. But this one was very good. Transport in Melbourne... in in Australia is very tribal. If you're a cyclist or a motorist, etc. Promoting cycling is seen by many motorists as a threat. As the number of cyclists grows, so does their perceived power and with it a corresponding drop in the influence of motorists. Some motorists will actively fight this in online comments, even with their cars. There are numerous politicians who have clued into the value of vilifying cyclists purely to integrate themselves with tribally minded motorists. We're stuck in a vicious cycle where there's active resistance to cycling that is limiting its growth and the influence of cyclists to achieve that positive change, i.e. better infrastructure. This is really a crazy situation. What's your take on something like that?
1: Um, I think it actually reflects on the problem. Yeah. Um, that you know, people do see themselves in tribes, um, and you know, quite reasonable people behind the wheel of a, a car seem to change personalities. And I know, as a driver, one of the things that really—and again, this gets back to the whole safety issue—is when I actually have to go over a cycle lane on a road to be able to turn left, but I've actually got to—I've you know, actually got to get into the cycle lane to do it. And that kind of drawing lines in the middle of the road doesn't help all of those kinds of issues.
0: Yeah, it's a confusion. There's um, there's a lack of, or oh, systemically a lack of um, leadership from a top level. Yes.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: And uh, we're seeing it in a lot of places because it's actually getting cycling is actually um, being attacked in yes. terms of. We don't have money. We can't be bothered. We've got good participation, right, so why don't you guys just put up with it? Well, as you would know in the West, you've got phenomenal amounts of development and things going on. We just can't. We have to have a different way of moving forward.
1: And what was really interesting is um, the response we got from the report. You know, We expected to get really good response from um, you know the three areas we did it on, but now people in Werribee are saying to us, but we want to be able to cycle and you know, we're missing this, this and this. And, you know, areas that I just thought it would be too far to cycle. We've had several people saying, oh, no, we would really like you to do something similar here and how can we be involved? And we had an email from a chap who cycles from St Kilda to Werribee each day, goes on the pump that goes across from um, Fisherman's Bend to Newport and then continues on, but it's still quite a cycle, but, you know, really wanting to be involved in talking about how you can make those long-distance commuter cycles quite safe, and that you've got to put the money in, into it to do it.
0: Yeah, and that's, where, where are we lacking here? I mean, tonight at the, how is it, uh, Melbourne Town Hall, yeah. there's a, a sit-down or presentation of what they're trying to do with overall with, um, Victoria's Cycling Strategy. But again, it seems very nebulous and vague, the kind of, oh, what do you want? Yeah. And I was like, I could tell you exactly what we want. We want you know, proper leadership, we want some uh, proper funding, yep. and we want the, the structures and the benchmarks there, because I'm seeing it in Yarra's perspective, we've had this you know, fabulous bicycle strategy, mm. but really it's not been implemented.
1: Mm. Yeah, because councils lack the, either the will or the money to actually do it. They often have really good plans on paper, but doing this is the next step along. And I'd have to say too for councils because, you know, last week the government brought in rate capping. Yes. Uh, It's actually going to get harder for them to do these really innovative um, kind of um, infrastructure strategies when it's a choice between making sure you continue to fund home care and meals on wheels or whether you um, pay for really innovative um, bike strategy.
0: Yeah, um because... the uh, rates cappings, are, You know, we've mentioned this on the show yep. a couple of times, it's a very popular thing to bring in. Yes. Um,
1: it's not going to be good and then people will complain about lack of service or lack of infrastructure.
0: Well, this is where the, the other tier of government, the second tier of government, state mm. government, has got to come in and help the LGAs. Yep. But uh, back to the report, getting yes. the West on track, closing major infrastructure gaps in Melbourne's inner west. Um, it's pretty comprehensive. It's over 70 pages. Yes.
1: Um, We were incredibly lucky in that Lisa, who did the report, um, she was doing Masters of Social Work, and she's also a commuter cyclist, so understood the issues in and out. We also had several um, of our volunteers who were also cyclists work on the report, and it is very comprehensive, and it's very readable, and it's very usable, um, is what we like about it is it's identified the problems but it's also identified the solutions.
0: Because it's, you go through Hobsons Bay, Maribyrnong, Mooney Valley yep. and then you go by you know all the, the main routes that people want to take yep. and, yeah, and it touches upon Federation Trail. That's been a bit of a yep. bugbear for years that in terms and of either getting it finished or getting those connections fixed yep. up.
1: It's the connections because a lot of it's really good and then it just, you know, 500 metres is just missing. Um or it 's been washed away or it was never completed properly, or it 's damaged or whatever and but it 's basically there, but it probably needs you know five kilometers between five and ten kilometers of patching up and connecting it's um it's and it would be a really fantastic commuter track.
0: Because it's um well it's also a really good walking yeah. track as well. totally. excellent. But yeah. um, the one that I keep I keep coming back to. I used to go down. I used to do a bit of a loop of on Road and Footscray Road. And yeah. just something that really struck me in the last few years is the absolute um, percentage increase of um, vehicles using the the road. It's always been busy. Yeah. on Road. It was you know joked twenty years ago about you know people dump oil and stuff there. No yeah. one knows about it. But now it's just It's a a traffic sewer.
1: And it's also one of those problems coming out of the outer suburbs that have no buses, no trains, um, who are completely car-reliant. And I think that's a lot of where you're seeing that increase, whereas people who would live in Yarraville, Seddon, Footscray have actually got quite good transport options. Mm. But if you live any further out, um, especially if you're in, you know, Caroline Springs or Williams Landing or Win- or parts of Wyndham, your choice is about getting to work. It's all about the car.
0: Wyndham especially, but yes. uh, Brimbank, um, yep. yeah, and it's not that people don't want to, it's just to it's, it's, they, it's...
1: There isn't anything offering. Off yeah. Offer. Yeah, or anything that's going to get them to work in, you know, under two hours.
0: Yeah, because it's uh, quite, quite a, you know, um, Long winded way to get in. Sometimes, yep. I mean, people go, "Oh, I'll go ride on the Mary Ponds um, bike path," but yep. it's a contour line. It goes yep. <laughs> goes all over the place. Yes, that's but right. But I, I like the idea. you got to have night. Um, you've uh, suggested uh, night lighting and directional signage down on the Mooney Ponds.
1: That was a really interesting one. Yeah, that came from local riders um, who talked about one of the things that they found difficult, and directional signage was came up. For all three areas, that people would be on it, but they would just then, well, where do I go? Which way do I go? And unless you know the track really well, mm. you you could end up cycling the wrong way, and that came up many times. And yeah, being able to use it at night, yeah, um, you know, the obvious answer there would be solar lighting.
0: Yeah cuz some um, down the newer part of the Ponds Creek where you know like Transurban put in that bit underneath yeah. that still can be quite confusing at times and I got it you know I pretty impressed by some of the little pumping stations you get to, you know down there when it floods yeah. but further up as you get towards you know Brunswick West and yeah. further up towards you know it's dark as anything yes yeah. and then you know it's um and and some of it is incredibly narrow yeah because further along, I think right up towards Airport West, I think there's a plaque up there, you know, when they first built it in the mid-'80s. You know, it's got yeah. Race Matthews' name on it and that. And oh, can, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, a while ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you can tell that these were put in. That was, like, put in at a time when they thought they were doing the best they could, but it was all very minimum spec.
1: Yeah, because Race Matthews is at least 30 years ago. Yeah,
0: that's what I was thinking, because I think yeah. this was about 84, yeah. 85. that's
1: right.
0: So yeah. what, what can people do out west um, to actually... Should- it's Get really disturbing. about
1: pushing the, well, to start off, really pushing their council. We've got council elections next year, pushing candidates to see what they're prepared to campaign on. But also I think the bigger issue is getting the state government to release money to fix these. Everybody understands that cycling is actually really beneficial. Um, and also for every bike on the road, you're getting a car off the road. So it helps with congestion and it helps with health. And it's much cheaper than other means of transport. So, But you've got to put the infrastructure in to start with. So the arguments are there, the information's there. Now it's about campaigning to get it
0: done. Yeah, because um, as I mentioned a little bit earlier in the interview, the um, updating Victoria Cycling Strategy, they've got community consultation sessions which are ending soon. But also if you go to economicdevelopment.vic.gov.au, there's... Um, they're more or less asking people what they want, and this is, yep. I think, where you've got about a week and a half to go. I reckon just go go tell them. Yeah. Because that's on tonight if you want to go along to the Melbourne um, town hall sessions at uh, 6.30 yes. tonight. Um, I'd recommend that. Yeah, so what would be your favourite part of the inner west, really? You know, oh, we've been talking about all the oh, bad I bits.
1: I can't really. Oh, look, I've lived in Footscray for 30 years, and so I've seen... Dramatic changes oh, yeah. in that time, especially on the river. Um, the river is my absolute favourite walking track. Um, I have two spots. One I start at the Vietnamese um, boat memorial on Edgewater and do a circuit up towards Pipe Makers. Or the other one is to you know park up in Essendon and then do a big circuit of the river going the other way. But yeah, we, it, it's interesting how we were such an industrial area, and now that that industry has moved out, a lot of those sites are being cleaned up, reveged. It's yeah. fabulous. It is just, but we shouldn't tell people. No,
0: because, because you want to keep it to we yourself. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> things like Edgewater and Freshwater, was it? No, Freshwater's South Bank. Um, Edgewater and all that didn't exist.
1: No. Well, I was on council when that all started, and that was, um, you know, that's in the last decade. Yeah, that's really taken off, and the um, the river is incredibly clean now, and um, the birds are back. It, it's quite, it's quite phenomenal.
0: Yeah, because I've noticed the Mary Creek right now is incredibly clear as well. It's yeah. the clearest I think I've seen it in a good five years. Yes. Yeah. So, so you've got, um, was it bikewest.org? Yeah, and so
1: people just contact me through that. Yep. That would be great.
0: Fabulous. Well, thank you so much no for, for today, and um, we'll be in touch.
1: Okay, thanks very much. Okay, bye. All right, bye.
0: Buy a ticket in the 3CR Summer Radiothon Raffle, and not only will you be supporting independent radio, but you could be in the running to win a new bike... Kindly donated by Reed Cycles. Reed Cycles have stores in North Melbourne, Windsor and Collingwood. Check out their website, reedcycles.com.au Call the station now on 9419 to get your tickets. Reed Cycles is a 3CR supporter. one for the, um, for the raffle. They pulled out all stops in that one. A bit of Mike Ronson and White Bicycle. I think that was originally done by 60s The Move. Take that as a question on notice. That was a very old song, but I think by, uh, with a remix. Anyway, as I said during the interview with Colleen... Tonight at the Melbourne Town Hall, updating Victoria Cycling Strategy Community Consultation Sessions, and this is going to be at um, Melbourne Town Hall from six thirty to uh, eight o'clock tonight. Basically, the whole blurb is: Cycling is a sustainable and healthy form of activity, an enjoyable recreational activity, and an important uh, tourism drawcard to our state. The Victorian Government is committed to delivering cycling projects and programs that focus on safety and increased in- participation. In- in cycling across Victoria, etc., etc., etc. So if they are, maybe they should start funding it we should start telling them to really button down and do it. So that's on tonight. And plus part of that, if you go to economic development, or one word, vic.gov.au and look up cycling and walking um, and the cycling strategy. There's a whole bunch of stuff there where you can have feedback. Like there's there's a, there's, um, a survey and there you can do formal feedback, a whole bunch of stuff. Now the something that's got me pretty excited is at the National Gallery of Victoria opening this week on December the eleventh. Is um or oh, I should say a double exhibition between Andy Warhol and I. Wei-wei. Now, the thing about Ai Weiwei is that he's bringing out his Forever Bicycle um, sc- oh, kind of chandelier sculpture. It's about 1,500 bicycles and it's hanging up in one of the, the main halls down at the National Gallery. So. Get down there and see it. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. And don't forget Freedom Time 2 at the Coburg Villadrome this week. Check that out um, at freedomtime.com.au if you still want tickets. It's basically, it's not about cycling. It's actually about having a big dance party in the middle of Coburg Villadrome this weekend. With um, permission, of course, from the Coburg Cycling Club. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. Our podcast should be up on 3cr.org.au pretty damn soon and also up on our website. And next week should I have Val and Faith back in the studio. And uh, don't forget, 3CR depends upon the oh, your support, your donations to keep us on air. Don't forget to donate or subscribe. So up next, we should have Dirt Radio. <laughs>